welcome to Unwritten Imaginings, where lazy authors talk about story ideas that they'll never get around to writing. New episodes every Sunday. Let us know if you use one of our ideas and we'll give your story a shout out in a subsequent episode. Comment with your favorite Unwritten Imaginings episode and why to gain two entries into our grand prize draw. That's a little strange, you know, favorite Unwritten Imaginings episode. I mean, I want to hear that, you know, regardless of any real or not grand prize draw. It, and again, it's not. Just, you know, legal purposes somewhere. I just want to confirm that it does not, in fact, exist. Yeah. In case you haven't figured out the gag yet after this many episodes. I guess it could be the Whether first Whether or not you have, you know, it's something that we should confirm every time we say grand prize draw. It, at least it, within the same episode, just so that we're clear on its non-existence <laughs> to somebody who may have, you know, only seen the single episode. Yeah, I guess some people do start with the most recent episode. Weirdos. Um, yeah. But, uh, hi everyone, my name is Eunice, I am the author of Fantasia and Eternosaurus, and, uh, I really, like, fall into, like, weird niche hobbies in and out really frequently, and most recently it's been fountain pens. So, yeah. See, I see. Hi, I'm Atheo, author of Rune and Metagame and that other project that I continue to work at and, like, never get anywhere on. Plus a bunch of other stuff that you've never heard of. And uh, I guess I have a sort of fun fact in that, like, you know, usually I get my writing done uh, from 2 to 4 a.m. And unfortunately, I made the mistake this time of going all the way to 5.30 a.m. It's a mistake. And you just rolled out of bed 15 minutes ago. Shh, we don't talk about that. <laughs> it's fine. Okay. Um, and uh, this week we have a guest. Ooh. <laughs> Uh, Elliot Stoddy here. Uh, they were legally forced to take me back on for some for some reason. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, I have on my desk currently the wonderful little story that is Revenant Faith and Foreign Pilgrimage. And uh, I guess my fun fact is recent times I have actually also started the whole audio thing for lack of a better generic umbrella term of it. And uh, I have discovered that apparently I actually take very slightly longer to do the speaking and recording bit of audio work than I do the writing bit. And that's really a long, long, long time as it happens. Yeah, we really should stop getting Faye to write our contracts, you know, that... I don't know why we let him do it in the first place, but it's fine. You know, you're a good guest. We like you. Wait, are you saying you speak slower than you type? Oh, no, no. It, it's a, Actually, it's funny because I speak a lot fast. I, shall we say, very bad habit of going along with the two times option uh, for replay speed on videos, audiobooks, pretty much anything that ha happens to have an audio version of it. Uh, resultant is a much faster than wise speaking pace a lot of the time, but mostly it's because I can't get a single take turn out correctly for more than about three sentences in a row. Oh, I see. And, yeah. <laughs> Welcome so. to audio, I guess. <laughs> Apologies in advance to our editor if there's a lot of edits that need to be made. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> okay. Now, fun fact about guest episodes is that it's the guest's idea. So what have you brought to us uh, this time? All right, so imagine this. We have in some strange, unimaginable universe, um, a conspiracy 
for taking over our world or at least some major urban city that you know gets its little name with a three-letter acronym on a uh, average airport terminals flight list wait 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 is this are we aiming at a comedy here because i i just had an idea that you know based on what you just said uh actually that's uh, that would be not at all unsuitable this conspiracy is taking over a city named world i have absolutely no objection to that being the case um it's ridiculous and ridiculous like it's an automatic win in my book so there we go. Okay. Anyway, continue. Yeah, the strange and magical society is one in which the I, the ideas of affection and love and endearment and so on and so forth uh, that humans and many also non-human creatures all find fairly common and fairly easy to identify with are actually things that have a sort of substance, a tangibility to them. So the literal power of friendship. Friendship, but more importantly, like, you fall madly, desperately in love with that special someone you cross the road every other day and, and see going in the other direction, and then all of a sudden some guy mugs you in the back of an alley and steals all of it. You're like, oh, wait. I guess, wait. I, I, guess I really didn't feel that badly about uh, not talking to them at all after all. Hold on. <laughs> okay. Okay. So love can be given and stolen and traded. <laughs> yeah. You, you, is it just when you have it on you or is it when yeah. it's your possession? Because it's apparently physical. It, yeah. You have to define the rules of if you're wearing your love or your heart on your sleeve, I guess, becomes a more literal expression. What <laughs> form does it take as well? I, th- I can't actually... I think that's the first okay. one we need to answer. Is what form does this stuff take? Is it like jewelry? Is it what? No, no, no. I want to treat it like a controlled substance. I want it to look like cocaine. Like. <laughs> okay, but looking like cocaine isn't going to make it more or less controlled. And the fact of the matter is that, like, because these feelings can, you know, spontaneously appear, they. No, no, no. You don't. It doesn't have to be an illegal substance to be a controlled substance. There's tons of things that you know you need to that is strictly regulated without being illegal. I, I don't know. I guess I guess I'd assume that you let sort of like sort of carry around like a, one of those backpack what, what do you call them? A, a camelback or something like that. You just pour all of your affection and such into and you just sort of carry it around. Everybody has this special dedicated purse only for emotional and atta- attachment stuff. <laughs> it's your emotional baggage. <laughs> <laughs> I I could I I lined that that joke up for myself perfectly. I did not even consider that that might was actually a thing that could be said. I'm glad somebody said it. Thank you. <laughs> oh man, and you know if somebody wants to have a coldly logical discussion, they can leave their emotions at the door. <laughs> I think you're too attached to the subject. I have very objective proof that I am not there, my friend. Uh. <laughs> okay. So let's say everybody has like a special magical bag or something that's somehow linked to them. So then the stuff that's in their bag, as long as they're kind of keeping it somewhere near them, will affect them emotionally. And then how do we determine, like, towards whom the affection is directed? I would assume that that's an innate quality of the extant thing. If somebody steals 
the affection you hold for someone, what can they do with that affection? I would assume that <laughs> they can move that affection around, but like other than that, they don't really have like abilities to do much with it. Because, like, even just physically being able to, like, force emotions on people is kind of insane. Because if you just, like... Because it's, like, this makes it super easy to break up a marriage, right? Like, and it's not like you don't... It's not like you need to steal love. Like, you just find somebody who's really angry at one of the uh, people in the marriage. And then you grab that and you drop it in the bag of one of them. And it's super easy. Is it... So the question is, like, does this substance, is it encoded in it both the person who is feeling the affection and who it's directed I would towards? say the emotion and the target are encoded, but not the individual who it comes from. Yeah, if you say, okay, uh, this, this, this sense of love towards, I don't know, the idea of butternut squash... Uh, that's not something that, oh, I give this to you and you, you think, oh, I have Elliot's love of butternut squash. Like, no, I happen to now possess this quality and it is an affection for butternut squash. I want to now go get butternut squash every meal of every single day, um, which is a feeling okay. you only find exacerbated if somebody goes and, say, steals the love of butternut squash of everybody else in the town where you live and, like, piles it into the back of your car without you noticing. <laughs> okay. So if you put it in someone's bag, then they'll they'll get the affection towards the same target as the original holder. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay, and how is this substance generated? <laughs> I would assume spontaneously, the same way that emotions are usually generated. I don't know that... More, more of a philosophical difference. I don't know. I, I personally say that emotions are completely uh, spontaneous. But however, however, emotions are generated. Yeah, that would that would be reasonable. Yeah, it would essentially be like, how do I put this? I think that like the best way to have it happen would be that it appears as soon as it is convenient to be something that you would notice, and as as soon as the emotion like reaches past like a certain threshold, right? So. You're having an emotional conversation with somebody and that changes the way you feel about them. And then as soon as you walk away, like in your hand would appear like whatever the beginnings of this this thing are. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe like you cry out this pre-gelatinized uh, form of some sort of substance. And like after you wipe off your face, you have this big old glob of... <laughs> glob of love, uh, love oh. gel in your hand. Like, oh. That's... Extremely <laughs> gross in a way that I'm not entirely certain fits what we're going for. <laughs> okay, okay. Look, let's make it cute. So, like, let's say people just in their bag have some unidentified powder that's, like, un undifferentiated affection, potential affection. And then when you develop uh, affection for someone, it parts of it will physically transform into, like, a cute little charm-like object that represents the relationship that you have with the other person. And the shape is, like, unique and cute, and you can make it whatever you want. I don't know about unique, very, like, but, you know... Mushy. <laughs> All that stuff. Um, and then those charms can be stolen. Um, and But the, the, the way that that unidentified powder 
like appears in the bags is like this mysterious process that nobody like truly understands and like some people make more of it than others because they're just like more emotional uh and other people have chosen to like burn their magical bags because they want to live in a purely logical see lifestyle i kind of <laughs> want the the bags to essentially be like other settings like cursed items so like if you set it on fire right it'll just like yeah appear next to you at some later date that's, like, not very far. Okay. So if you set your bag on fire, like, by the next day, it's gonna be there just waiting for you on your nightstand. So, okay. So let's say there's a type of people who are, like, capital E emotionless. Like, they try and get rid of their bags, but they can't. So they have to hide it somewhere. But if somebody else finds it and, like, puts stuff in their bag, then they're, like, really screwed. (laughs) If you have somebody who's who's just who's madly trying time to fight the fight fight the fact that oh no that that childhood friend of mine uh, you know I'm I'm already married and and so I I like spending time with them but I just I don't want to feel like I'm awkward or stuff like that and so you're like okay I'm gonna I'm going to mentally friend zone myself with this person because I value them I I I love them but I don't love them in that way you try to pick up your vial of friend attraction you throw it in the middle of the atlantic ocean and then like so you're telling me that people literally set their feelings aside they literally say okay um uh i'm going to repress this by putting it in some sort of a uh horribly uh, impossible to crack safe and then you literally do it's that. not really repressed in that case it's literally gone until somebody goes ahead yeah. and puts yeah. it back it's gone but not 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 destroyed if you know what i mean yeah <laughs> I think that's really the most interesting, like, facet of this, is that a lot of the time we're, like, set your feelings aside, where it's, you know, a whole process and stuff, where here it's, like, literally take the feelings out, put them somewhere else, and they'll have this discussion. Yeah. Yeah, so arguments get a lot less heated, you know? It's like, let's all, let's all put our bags down for a mm-hmm. sec. <laughs> it's not put the bags down, it's, you would have to remove the whole context from, like, each other. Like, it's a little bit more complicated than that. Just not not having the bag with you won't make it stop affecting you. No, no, it has to be within a certain distance of you, so you can hide it away. That's what the capital E emotionless people. Mm. I was thinking that they just dumped their bag out every night. <laughs> that would hmm. That wouldn't prevent you from reacting emotionally to things, because you still have that potential. No, but there. you know, it's part of their whole shtick where they like train themselves to not react emotionally to things. Okay, so that they are emotional, but they just aren't like particularly attached to any person or idea or anything. Well, not in the long mm. run, at least, because they keep taking that out. Okay. I don't know, because I like the idea of people like hiding their bags away, but if like somebody finds it, then like their crucial weakness is now stolen. <laughs> yeah, so, but but that so that that's the thing. The issue that I have with that is that like it's no longer a crucial weakness if the bag just like gets shipped to peru or wherever that's the thing you have um suppose that you do have uh let's say you're a completely bizarre human being you say oh i love my family and um as a matter of fact you say okay the possession of this feeling of love is an inherent good it's a betterment for my life because i i enjoy the time i have with these people i care about them and simply being near them represents a qualitative improvement over the opposite. We don't actually 
sit in each other's company and enjoy we basically sit around and frown at each other over the dinner table of the alternative would be a miserable existence but then some mastermind with a rube goldberg-esque uh roundaboutness to the plan somehow manages to go through and like steal half of everybody's emotional bag content over the course of a day it's they, they pull off some sort of weird heist involving men in the middle operation and a giant roasted swan and sending out horrible uh, horrible deliberately malpracticed uh, what, what do you call them chain letters all over the place and this really convoluted scheme of theirs they managed to pull off the weirdest and biggest and most successful heist over this entire uh, this, this city called world and, and everybody's all screwed up because they, they say oh wait a minute I I mean, I love this woman that I, I married, but I don't really know what that means anymore. Well, it's more like, you know, that literal, that love that you've, like, sort of experienced in the past and are aware of its existence, you just literally don't feel anymore, which is existentially horrifying. <laughs> yeah, but imagine that happens. Everybody's like, they're like, okay, well, this, is, this isn't the worst thing in the world. I guess we're all, we're all still alive. No, no, no. We're, the, worst feel, the worst thing in the world is the stage two of the plan where, where they're, they're randomly distributed <laughs> among the populace. Exactly. Well, maybe not even randomly distributed, but like you get you get a letter in the in the mail with one of those. Uh, randomly distributed is a low level problem. Okay. Like, come on. Negro, yeah. You could you but, could but, intentionally Negro. distribute it to cause the greatest amount of chaos possible. Like, that would be. So it depends. Yeah, it depends if our bad guy just wants chaos and you know, the, the end of civilization or is, like, trying to actually get some profit. Because, you know, you could be held ransom by your feelings. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you, you get this, this fun little message with that old magazine clipped out letters style of somebody glued or taped all these uh, totally mismatched fonts to it saying something like, assist me in improving my own financial uh, my own financial situation, or somebody else will love your wife with a deep and burning passion, and be and be trying to be trying to ruin your marriage, and I won't have to do a darn thing. Oh, if only I'd gotten fifty thousand ounces of pure gold sent to me in the mail at some address here for a dead drop zone. I see. So holding yeah. the entire city called the world hostage in order to. <laughs> Take it over through monetary means? I think that's what they would do with, like, the less valuable feelings, but, like, the higher end of the manipulation would be to sneak very targeted feelings into the the bags of some high-ranking officials or influential people. Yeah, you, you you say okay. Well, let's let's see how much chaos I can cause. Well, we want the society obviously doesn't want to be you know beset by I don't know a, a prime minister and I don't know what the what the next rank under prime minister would be if there is if there is one in countries where prime ministers are. So, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a stupid American, okay? I don't I don't know none of this crap. Uh, um, but you have um you have somebody saying, okay, the two, the two usually they would be a minister of something. Oh okay, yeah, just yeah. To be clear, and then they're all right. Uh, okay, I shall have to jot that down in my many 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 things random knowledge notebook. But you have two high you say okay, two high ranking people in this government are going to be madly inconveniently utterly 
mystifyingly in love with each other to the point that oh no, there's absolutely no work going to be done whatsoever and with each other oh i was i was saying we should do a full-on narcissus gambit and make them fall madly in love with themselves and their own looks that's okay actually well, you'd have to You'd have to gather a lot of charms of people who are in love with that person, then. Well, at least know. somebody who admires them. It doesn't necessarily need to be somebody who's in love to begin with, because, again, we well, can stack them. Well, not in love, them. love, yeah. But, but, you know, I was thinking, like, just make them, like, the world's largest super fan of, like, My Little Pony. <laughs> <laughs> that would do it. <laughs> That 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 would work fine, but you say okay. Um, you, you either make me the prime minister of your country, or the current prime minister is going to be cursed with debilitating enjoyment of My Little Pony, or wh whatever the heck the the, the counter gambit is. I don't think anybody's ever said that sentence aloud before in human history. But, um, yeah, th there's there's a thousand ways you could, you could go about trying to leverage something like the weaponization mm -hmm. of love, but <laughs> that would be a good start. The, yeah, <laughs> the weaponization of love. Yeah, that's what this is. All right, all right. I want there to be like a lot of like espionage type things and like pickpocketing and, and, and stuff like that. Oh yeah, that's like just an enormous part of the setting, right? In that like huge parts of it are just the process of how do people like keep the bags, how do they understand them? And I think that's actually sort of important here is that like the bags, do they have like an actual limited size or do they just limited size from the outside and they'll expand to, you know, have categories for each of your emotions? And like, are those categories determined in advance or are they something that like you create is I suppose, it's very complicated, you know? I would say the bags are like of a convenient size to be worn around your neck, but and, and but the charms themselves aren't very large. So, I mean, I guess if you would need to quantify every positive emotion you have for everything in the world, that would be a lot of charm. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like I was thinking more like a little bit like like essentially like a moderate sized no a fairly small purse, but. Okay, let's say your emotions have to reach a certain threshold of intensity before it actually manifests as a charm. So you can, like, find a food mildly pleasant, but there won't be a charm. Oh, maybe your for, like, bag your expands three. if it needs to, and it just, like, gets physically bigger. But people aren't, like, you know, straining under the weight of the bag that they have to no. carry for the rest of their lives. Or, Well, I guess maybe some people who have way too much emotional baggage. <laughs> well, they need to go to therapy for that. Even then, you can just take some of them out and, like, you know, keep them categorized for when you want or need them. Feel it? <laughs> yeah, there, uh, there's, um, I mean... Maybe this isn't this in the case of everybody, but at least in my case, if somebody said, "Hey, yeah, no, uh, you, you seem to feel a lot, man," I said, "No, actually, after a certain amount of time, uh, I find it really difficult to feel anything at all any, anymore over the course of a given day if it's been particularly stressful or something." So, like, it would make sense for there to be a maximum amount of investment or emotional attachment a person can have, probably very high. So, like you said, small, very small charms with a moderately sized bag. But that's mostly just, I guess, the re the reflexive 
askance look that's given to things like uh, in infinitely sized bags because oh look there's this bag for my emotions I accidentally uh, managed to store my entire uh, Subaru Outback in there oh dear well I can I guess I can just ca carry this conveniently with me to work now or something well I was thinking more along the lines of like anything that's not an emotional crystal just kind of gets bounced off the top of it but you know if we want to make infinitely sized bags that are infinite for everything <laughs> that's okay too i guess uh, let's just say only emotions can go in and out uh, now that that does bring the secondary question of like because your hands can also go in and out does it count as washing your hands no, because your hands only metaphorically go in to take out the Oh, time. okay. It's, yeah, it's like your your brain processes it as reaching in and taking out, but that's not what's actually happening, because magic. It's You're summoning it to your hand from the... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I guess, I guess on, on the one hand, yeah, we could, we could be trying to analyze a lot of this. On the other hand, there, there's a lot of hand-waving already going on, so... Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, this doesn't have to be a hard magic system. That would be dumb. Trying to make this into a hard magic system would be kind of a waste of time. But, you know, semi-hard. I've decided... Okay, so I want the bags to always have their effect on the person, regardless of how close it is, but there are certain special magic boxes that you can put them in that will block the connection. I don't, so I don't want the have... bag connection to be able to be blocked at all, is the thing, right? Because, like, the ability to do that in, in the first place is sort of extreme, where, like, you could have somebody, you know, just take stuff out of the bag and get a similar effect. I mean, I'm just thinking that, like, the bag should be permanently bound to people so that they don't really have a choice in it, it that they're being affected, you know, because it's based on emotions, not... I'm thinking the bag does not give the same effect as locking it away, because you're still constantly forming new emotions or reacting to things. I mean, like, we yes, said that there was, like, a minimum intensity requirement, so... Yeah, well... People don't actually lower the intensity of their emotions by willing it. So you would, you could constantly throw stuff out, but like you would be constantly forming new emotions. So people who would want to be like that would constantly be looking for a way to free themselves from the inevitable chain that is the <laughs> free themselves day. from their humanity. Yeah. I, actually, it would be really interesting to to have like have like a subplot is you have some very. Uh, some people have very unusual minds that, that actually do have the ability to say, like, okay, I don't feel happy anymore. They can just will themselves into a neurological state that's equivalent to not actually having a certain attachment or, or having a, a greater amount of attachment than would otherwise be manifesting. I don't know. that There's... There's a lot of There's directions yeah. you can go here, and like that's really something that you would need a lot of time to explore because of just how strange this whole system is. Yeah, I guess like actually having like very strong emotional control over yourself can become a very like valuable commodity because like you could let's say like take someone's love for somebody else, put it in your bag. And then just destroy it. So then, like, the other person can't ever get it back. Or whatever. But the only way to destroy these charms is to do it like that. Just be like, 
put it in someone's bag and have them fall out of love. <laughs> that would actually... That would be super difficult. <laughs> like, don't don't get me wrong. It's something that I'm actually fairly good at. It's just, that's super difficult. <laughs> oh, man. If you want to talk about me uh, thinking my way out of a crush, I can, like, <laughs> give you a step-by-step guide. <laughs> uh, I wasn't thinking, thinking you way out of a crush, you know? I was more thinking somebody oh, that you had, like, an actual relationship with, which is, you know, a little bit more complicated than a crush. Yeah, but, um, no, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at huh. it. I don't like feeling emotions, in case nobody's noticed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, th- I think at the very least the, the idea of not, uh, not enjoying emotions when they have to be inconvenient, which is, uh, depending on who you are, it can be less convenient at, at sometimes than others. But if you're, yeah, if you're like me, uh, I enjoy certain emotions certain times, but usually I'm perfectly happy just sort of sitting there like a rock. Yeah. I like to be neutral. I like to float at zero, mm. you know? Yeah. <laughs> Man, I could not stand and being at zero constantly who would want that well, there's i mean you know it's honestly i suppose it also depends where your zero is you know mm-hmm. my zero is great i float around i write fluff <laughs> i laugh sometimes <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that actually kind of brings up an interesting question like if, if somebody said was um you'd be the person who's really very given to forming uh, enthusiasms really quickly. Could you say use that person as like a love generator? Like, oh, oh, uh, Suzanne down the road uh, is the fastest person I've ever met to like get attached to dogs or something. And you could you could use this person as like an a emotion start for emotional. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you... I actually love that idea. Like, I would be totally okay with paying people like that. You know, because like I think like the... I'd want. That's that's awesome. I'd want there to be, I'd want there to be like this kind of like an actual under like black market conspiracy type of organization. They have like innocent people who just like fall in and out of love with things really like frequently, and then they constantly just like rummage in their emotion bags and like take stuff out, and the person doesn't even notice because they they just normally fall in and out of love with things and people, and then like they use that as a source to manipulate like other people with their cons- it's a, this whole network of like controlling the emotional lives of everyone in the city named world <laughs> you, you have this one of those gigantic yarn and pushpin maps of the city and they're talking with this whole you know what would be really funny about the whole city named world thing uh-huh. sorry to interrupt you oh no fine is if is if Everybody who's not part of the conspiracy calls it the city named world, but everyone who is part of the conspiracy calls it the world. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. That's the little hint that you can tell who's in and who's not in. Exactly. <laughs> Except that, you know, nobody knows about this hint and you just have it like, you just have it as like a dramatic irony. So the only, only the readers <laughs> actually understand what's going on here. The voice of Sir Alfred Hitchcock and, and, uh, and a voiceover. But little did they know that they only thought of it as the city called world by those who are within it, as opposed to simply the world. And then the action scene restarts. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I love it. Uh, so the conspiracy is going around planting love for uh, assorted things in people's bags and 
threatening them? Like, I'm not entirely certain no, no, what the plan like, is Like, there's here. a lot of ways you can manipulate people with this, right? Like, if somebody just, like, is, like, a gold digger and wants to marry well, they can hire the firm to just do that for them. Or if somebody needs an investment in their project, just draw up some, like, artificial enthusiasm. <laughs> you know, you've got lots of ways to emotionally manipulate people. Yeah, draw up artificial enthusiasm for different kinds of work. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like you, you say, okay, well, uh, I'm actually really Although, not... Although, again, why is it a black market? Because you could just sell that and then it's be like, hey, guys, I know you don't really want to work on this right now, but can you just use these for like 30 minutes for me, please? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think obviously putting emotions in and taking emotions out of somebody's bag without their express consent is illegal <laughs> yeah that, that that would be that would be one pretty bit one of the things i think would probably assuming that there's any sort of sanity that crops up in a place like this where this is actually a regular thing but i would assume that like because you know emotions are kind of important to a person in many ways I, <laughs> i'd assume that like there'd be some sort of regulations maybe put down about you know you are certainly allowed to do this because we can't you? stop you? Well, we don't want to stop you, but we want to, say, prevent you from, I don't know, sharing back and forth profound love of, I don't know, the, the Beatles music between you and a friend repeatedly over the course of uh, a week or so. Because the whole thing about, oh, I love the Beatles. Eh, I'm kind of tepid about the Beatles. Oh, I love the Beatles. And then your friend's doing the exact opposite as you're trading this emotion back and forth. Tends to, uh, if you do it, like, say, give it to somebody and it sits on their psyche for long enough that it sort of becomes, it's natural. It integrates with them. That's one thing. But, like, if you're constantly trading this back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, it starts to do horrible, horrible things to a person's mind, I would think. And... They, they, they probably say, okay, you're only allowed to trade something that is ranked as love of my life once per every month. <laughs> and if it's... Or, or, like, let's say it it's as... To do it legally, it's as difficult as, like, selling your personal vehicle. Like, you gotta go to the place and line up and write the registration papers. Again, I would think that, like, that's required for a certain, like, level of emotion. But, like, the the problem with sort of what we're talking about in this, like, regulation category is just the enforceability of it. Because, like, if you have... It's, it's more like if everybody randomly generated diamonds in their pocket and then they were selling them back and forth. Like, as much as you might want to regulate that for, like, whatever you consider the value, and, I mean, that diamonds would be valueless in that particular example but mm -hmm. you know let's not go into that um it's more like because you can't regulate it in ongoing sort of we're taking care of everything way you would instead want to regulate it in more of like it's an illegal thing to steal these and put it in each other's bags and we don't medically recommend you <laughs> take things at this level because if a law is completely unenforceable there's no reason to have it on the books? Hmm. I mean, you know, like, if people wanted, like, literally trade hobbies, I guess that's fine. But, like, I think people would want to register any higher level changes that they made as... So, like, let's say anytime someone has, like, a dramatic change in their behavior, right? Like, you'd want to have, like, a registered charm exchange 
that's rooted in that event because when they're tracing illegal transactions slash you know just people stealing and putting things in then that's like one of the pieces of evidence that they would use to to see like oh i think there's a crime has been committed here i mean the stealing is is more of an issue but even that would just be like if you want to come get your emotions registered so that if someone steals them or adds something new to your bag we can know then that's a thing you can do I was actually yeah. about to about to say something like, "Oh yeah, actually we could enforce it," but brain abruptly jumped jumped that track because I think I'm kind of agreeing with you at this point with the, with it not being quite enforceable. But brain said, "Okay, so in this case, what would the role and or civil uh, societal importance be of, for example, a psychiatrist, like the people who are who are there to try to assess the, your emotions and the validity thereof, and like help you." work through them like those people are going to be like th- th- those are going to be like uh more oh. highly valued <laughs> yeah so like people would go see their psychiatrist as frequently as they go see like their family doctor which is still would not have, enough like, but you know it's fine would have like confidential files on like the major charms of all their patients and would only reveal that under subpoena yeah if there's a crime involved. <laughs> you know, you actually you actually came up with the enforceable version of this, so there we go. Uh, there you go. I, you know what? Actually, I guess so, because you, you could say have, if you had somebody, you have Dr. Smith who's uh, working on five different families worth of people uh, at present, they, they'd say, okay, let's, let's go over what you have. Oh, you don't seem to have your utterly debilitating love of baseball anymore do we want to talk about why that is and if they don't it's currently have locked up my wife has the key i don't <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 yeah. they, they cannot produce a sufficient sufficiently good explanation uh we we obviously can't just like arrest them for for potentially losing it but this becomes a, a matter of very serious concern oh look somebody else somewhere in the neighborhood spontaneously gained a tremendous love of, of baseball at the same time uh, and coincidentally, they paid this other person fairly hefty sum of money as well. Oh dear, that's an interesting coincidence. Yeah, exactly. You can you can trace this sort of thing, but it's more complicated than like pretty much any cases of theft that we actually deal with. You know, so there's a special emotions squad. Oh, yeah. oh. And then I'd have I'd have fun with the psychiatrist, like you know, like looking through the charms, and then like one of the characters is being all nervous about like the way that they're examining it and be like what what like because they're going like they're going like making faces and like (laughs) it's like what's wrong what's wrong what is it (laughs) it's like "Mm, very interesting (laughs) oh crap he knows because yeah like the the appearance of the charm can tell you like a lot you told me this was enjoyment of of this person's presence I think you might want to examine that feeling when you get it back. <laughs> yeah, it's like, um, I just want to remind you that, you know, we have full confidentiality. So if there's any, you know, additional information you'd like to tell me, <laughs> now would be the time. You, you are saying that you know, you do not, in fact, love this person to whom you are married. Instead, you have a deep and abiding and slightly disturbing level of attraction to horses, as a matter of fact. 
no. No, no, you don't. You don't say that to them. You just, you know, <laughs> and then, get them to talk about it on their own. <laughs> yeah, and then and then you know they talk about like the the. I guess, like, if somebody wa- is thinking about, like, permanently removing one of the charms, like, the doctor has to, like, counsel them on, like, the risks and benefits of the of the procedure. It's like, not really a procedure. It's just something that you can do at home. <laughs> no, but, like, they're like, oh, we need to counsel you on the possible repercussive uh, effects on your psyche. Uh, you may develop another addiction to replace the one that was just removed. <laughs> <laughs> your your entire personality just starts falling apart. Oh no, I I don't love uh, potato chips anymore. I don't have anything to replace it with. And then one, one day you just sort of you're stumbling home, and you, you find this cloud of butterflies. Like oh, I suddenly love butterflies all of a sudden because I there's nothing in my brain competing with them. And this sudden this sudden display of beauty is a very sudden and unexpected uh, imparting of knowledge about how amazing they are. I'm going to suddenly turn my entire life around and chase butterflies and then they step I mean, off. to be and... fair, it's less physically destructive than the potato chips thing. True. <laughs> true. That, yeah. See, that that's perfectly true right up until the point that this person's like, oh no, is that, a, is that a monarch? And then steps right off the curb and then they get blindsided by somebody in their minivan <laughs> who stops like just a quarter of a second too late so they're, they don't outright kill them but they're like they're in traction for three months or something see but here's the thing right when i look at things i don't consider suddenly being unable to cross the road safely in my uh balances because i don't think that there's a large number of people who love butterflies enough that they would get hit by a car to see one Yes, but it, it's just like a possible rare side effect of having one of your... Extremely rare. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could suddenly develop another one. That could be even worse. <laughs> Recommendation. You're probably going to develop another addiction. Make it something that's not terrible. <laughs> <laughs> or, or like... I would say, like, the most common one that people would request is, like, after a bad breakup to, like, have the emotions for the other person removed. And then they're like, this may impact your ability to fall in love for the next one to two years. <laughs> See, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make it like that. I would just make, make it like, this will mean that you go into relationships with a disturbing amount of recklessness for a significant period of time. Or, like, you may not closely remember any of the emotional lessons you learned throughout this relationship. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but but I like that idea because you could say, oh, the adjustment of the psyche, these leaps and bounds, is going to have some potentially adverse side effects. So the converse side of that point is, oh, well, look, we have some person who we... There's some horrible dictator on the uh, on the other side of the world, and you're like, okay, we, we need to figure out a way to displace this person from power. And then the dead of night, you have your, your team of emotion ninjas uh, break into their house, and they imbue them with this, frankly, ludicrous level of croquet or something. And it by itself, <laughs> it's not terrible, but the sheer intensity of this life-changing moment of this for this person is enough to send them this weird downward self-obsessed spiral like why do i love this so much i don't know their advice is walking on them the next morning hey so uh we're gonna talk about if this person's like three quarters bald they're they're sitting in in front of their (laughs) mirror they're crying their eyes out of their skull what is wrong with me (laughs) 
I mean, yeah, you can use it to. There's an awareness degree that I think would also appear in this world, but you know, we can just skip over that. Although, you know, if I wanted to deal with some kind of, you know, uh, dictator who's abusing the people, I would just like find some one of those like really like selfless, like almost like saint-like people, and then like take part of the charm of that general love they have for the entire world and then like put it <laughs> into the dictator's bag. Like an organ donor <laughs> but emotional donor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, actually. And, and honestly you wouldn't even have to steal it. You, you would just have to ask that person like and they're like, I have so much love for the world. Go ahead, take some. <laughs> That's actually a very interesting question. The, the, the idea of organ donorship, uh, like it's the emotional content associated with a person. Say, I, I don't know, I have a sudden cardiac arrest and die. And I have a ton of stuff in my emotional baggage. Does that disappear? Would that be... I like, would say that no, because, like, there's no particular reason for it to disappear. Okay, so I was thinking that probably be the case, but if that is so, then, like, what did they do with it? Like, if is that going to mean that there's just, like, this ever-increasing amount of emotions? I think that they dissolve over time if they're not being reinforced by, like, a person experiencing them. Okay, that hmm, that's actually not too bad, because, I mean, on the one hand, you say, oh, well, let's bury their emotions. No, I, I would say that when you die, you're the bag disappears, but the charms stay behind. Yeah, that's what I was but thinking. But the charms, the charms degrade over time if they're not put into another bag. Hmm. I would say that that's sort of a general feature of the charms, is that, like, they degrade over time if you don't put them into a bag so that, like, somebody's experiencing them. Yeah, because they're not meant to be in this world. They're meant to be in the bag world. I mean, they are meant to be in this world, but just not in the same way. But the bags are a different world. Sort of. They're the emotional world. (laughs) I was just thinking that it was like, you know, them being experienced is what reinforced them enough that they could exist. But, you know, if we want to make the bags into their own unique world, I guess that's fine too. Uh, Yeah, either way, as long as you have a mechanism by which these things are kept around. (laughs) And uh, don't just build up. Yeah, the important part is they have to be kept around in some certain sense, but we also... Oh, I just realized. That conspiracy group actually has prisoners that they keep just to have the bags to keep all these charms in when they're not being used. That's horrifying and That's really genuine creepy. torture. Uh, oh, dear. Oh, yeah. Because we're, we're... you're <laughs> inflicting them with loves of, like, people and objects and... Yeah. Activities that they have absolutely no ability to experience and no control over. Yeah, they have like way more charms in their bags than like a healthy person is supposed to. That (laughs) is genuinely horrifying. Okay. (laughs) I was about to say, I was like, wonderfully horrible things. Oh oh, no, I I, I don't desire to uh, see my mother every day of the week anymore because I don't feel the same way. Like, oh, that's kind of messed up. No, you come out with, oh yeah, no, we're just gonna, we're just gonna basically treat this person like a kidney farm, basically. Except we put the kidneys into them and then we say, oh, you don't have, you don't have a big enough heart to support 50 different kidneys all being spliced into your, uh, your limbic system. Whatever kidneys are part of. Too bad. We're putting them in you anyway, son. Wow, that is, holy crap. Man, uh, Stories that I'm involved in always end up being unintentionally. Crazy. All right, all right. So, 
<laughs> one one fun fun fact uh, is that we're we're coming up on the hour point, and we haven't actually come up with a main character for this yet. You know, an emotional crimes detective. Yeah, I guess. So would would it be in this case? I, I almost you could almost say that the main character in a way would sort of be like society itself, or the, or the city, or I guess the collective of people who are at the mercy of uh, this this organization. Uh, it's sort of like um, so it's more of like a what's that word um, see the word I'm coming up with is gestalt but I know that's not correct what I'm thinking of is the where your cast is a bunch of different people who are sort of experiencing their own their own things but like maybe you come back to people as well yeah um, I know what you're talking about I don't remember that term cast is the only term I can think of right now but I know it's just I'm aware that it's something cast I just don't <laughs> And I, I have a story that uses that principle too. Yeah, this <laughs> is gone. Yeah, um, it'll come back to you at three o'clock. Ensemble in the cast. Hmm. Ensemble cast. Ah, yes, yeah, that would be it. Yeah, I was going to say it's it come back to you at three o'clock in the morning. You're gonna sit up, bowl up, right, <laughs> screaming. I remembered it. But why did I have to remember it? No, but no, you proved me wrong. So. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So we have our sort of ensemble cast of like you know six to eight different people who are. Like, maybe some of them are part of the emotional crimes division. Some of them are, you know, in the uh, emotions trade. Some of them are psychiatrists, and they're trying... And they're all working together, but they don't really know it yet to figure out the crimes of the conspiracy to take over the world, which is actually the city called world. Yes. <laughs> I keep forgetting about that. That's amazing. Uh, there's, um... Yeah. I, actually, there's also... Uh, they might also... There'd probably be a, a good thing to have like a perspective of a country bumpkin or something who's who lives out in in the neck of the woods where oh yeah the, the, this we the all suburbs know, of the world yeah we know how all, the, all this stuff works but we never like participated in trading our our passion for the emotion trade is a big city thing we technically have a trader but like she doesn't have a lot of work plus we're all sort of uh the the, the way that we're all kind of spread out in this neck of the woods means we, we don't really have anybody to trade with a lot of the time besides, you know, the, the 14 or 15 people on the farmstead here. Uh, the, exactly. It's hard to buy the exact emotion you want if there's only, like, 20 people. Yeah. Uh, but the flip side is, if you had, say, a single person... Actually, they're, they're I would definitely tell this story from, the like, a omniscient third-person narrator. Who could just explain what's going on? Yeah, that would actually be, I guess, ideal if we did want to go the, the way of usually it. how you do ensemble casts. Yeah, there would actually be some very interesting things you could do with this from a narrative perspective by say, okay, you have a singular character, but you're sort of turning the entire idea of unreliable narrator on a completely different access. Because you're, you're saying, okay, well, this, this person... This narrator may not be the same person, quote-unquote, as they were, like, 30 seconds ago. Yeah, like, some point between the uh, start of this day and the start of the next day, uh, somewhere between those, they happen to have uh, the affection they share with their best friend stolen. But we can't tell where it is. And you could do some really interesting things with... Uh, like say making it very ambiguous because they were like just they just had a big fight and you could say it was any point between this horrible thing they did to this person and this other thing that was less horrible but entirely genuine and it's probably going to actually do some serious harm to uh, their relationship from then on anyway um very complicated yeah oh you, 
You yeah. could do some really interesting things with it. But um, if we were going to go into a single character, um, somebody who's like in the emotional crimes division of the local police force probably would be pretty good contender because you know they're put in the nexus of information control and opportunity. They're directly opposing the conspiracy. Yeah, that that that, that as well. Yeah, they are very much the protagonist to the antagonist, and they have uh, they have enough agency and vision of the world around them that they, they actually get a, a more complete idea than the average street person would be capable of grabbing. Exactly, exactly. But, like, I would end the story on more of, like, an emotionally gray, morally gray note, mm-hmm. where it's like the the conspiracy organization is like, not everything we do is bad. And then they give the example of, like, the reformed dictator that they fixed uh, in two countries over. Yeah, uh. <laughs> I'm not sure that counts as morally gray. It's more of like, you know, we're not good morally, but we do have, you know, the ability to shut down people who are also bad morally. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I guess that's like from a utilitarian calculus point of view, I suppose you could call that morally gray, but I'm not entirely certain that that's how people mm-hmm. would look at it. Like, they see themselves as a, you know, a profit-oriented corporation. <laughs> and they just do whatever they're paid to acquire slash transplant slash remove. <laughs> Actually, um, you could go some interesting ways with that way, looking at it. Um, I guess slightly different perspective, or maybe just a, diff- a different facet of their operations, or like the mentality of the people involved is maybe looking at them as something similar to, um, what do you call it, uh, anonymous? They're basically this giant uh, collection of vigilantes, and yeah, they've, they've done some really not terribly great <laughs> Vigilantes stuff. of questionable repute. Yeah, they've done some really great, <laughs> some not great stuff. Um, conversely, um, they apparently said not that long ago, oh yeah, this whole this whole thing with uh, the, the recently ignited, uh, worldwide tensions ignited when a certain somebody decided that he wanted to uh, push the world's tension level up a little bit, said, okay, yeah, no, we're, we're going to actually come in here and we're going to say, uh, if you are going to be an enemy to world peace, you're going to be an enemy to us. And then they decided to basically go on a, a hackathon against pretty much anybody who was trying to exacerbate the conflict in that region of the world, which I'm like, you know, you, you guys... I appreciate yeah. you dancing around the politics there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not quite so... Simple as, oh, look, they, they, people have done a bad thing to bad people, or a good thing to good people, or a bad thing to good people, or a good thing to bad people. Uh, it, the, the they do bad things to both good and bad people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like, you, you say, okay, well, you, I guess you people have done have done something I approve of here, but does the magnitude... that really doesn't justify the process of getting there? Yeah, yeah that, that's that's the question. It's like the, the so it's an anti-villain. I'm sorry. So it's an anti-villain. I don't think I've ever heard that term before. That is a very... It's sort of the villainous equivalent to an anti-hero where they're missing a lot of heroic traits. In this case, they're missing, you know, a bunch of the villainous traits. They're not exactly trying to be a villain. They're just sort of a villain because they oppose the realistic understanding of people's happiness. But, you know, they don't oppose that directly. It's just like, that's sort of getting in the way of their plans. So... I didn't choose the villain life. The villain life chose me. I pretty much. I, I like that idea a lot. A- anti-villain, huh? 
that's um, mm. pretty good. There's somebody who you want to root for, but also they're evil. So maybe not root <laughs> for them, but like, I hope you get to a happier place in your life and stop doing this. Yeah. Or like, maybe the organization isn't really, you know, worried about the ethics of the stuff that they do for profit but like overall it's not good for business if like the whole world and chaos and stuff exactly so exactly like, you know they overall try and keep it on an even keel and if any like crazy dictators pop up that's bad for business especially they dictators that threaten the it. world mm-hmm. yeah so they kind of keep it in a medium balance so they're kind of gray yeah. <laughs> they're, gray. they're gray but they lean toward black yeah, we're, we're, we're... It's a dark gray. We, we fight the people who threaten the at least approximation of world peace that is what everybody wants to see as the average state of international relations and uh, the global... So constant war is just not where we are. Yeah. But at the same time, we, you know, we also deal in, as you said, the rather horrifying uh, equivalent of stuffing 50 different kidneys into a person. And when they say, I don't have enough blood in my heart to support 50 kidneys, I say, well, we're, we're going to have to get them out of you fast then, uh, when we sell them all, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, evil laughter echoes throughout the uh, maddeningly sized dungeon full of horribly, horribly, emotionally devastated people kept around for for their organ True harvesting True equivalent. But, but you know, they also help solve global warming by instilling a love of polar bears into the oil yeah. industry. <laughs> or, you know, taking out their love of money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, all told is they're, they're not doing this legally, ergo, it is they automatically have to all be destroyed. Yeah. So, they're, they're, there you go. <laughs> it's it's there not you the go. legality that's the problem, it's no, the I morality. Know. <laughs> no, I know, I know. That's, that's just the... That's just my default coin flip thing is, okay, is this person, are they doing something here that we, we need to worry about being uh, a completely immoral act? Like, uh, whatever. What was signs the law on at, the, at this particular moment in time? Ooh, ooh. I, I want the detective to, like, once they plunge into this, like, organization and discover, like, the, the high-level masterminds behind it, it's like, those are the only few people who have, like, successfully unbagged themselves and they're really creepy. <laughs> Maybe they haven't even unbagged themselves. Their bags are just tied up upside down so that anything that forms on them is immediately dumped out. <laughs> that is, that is, yeah, that is, you know, I did not expect it to go quite as thoroughly. Un- <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I, I did not expect the skin on my back to genuinely start crawling before we got to, before we got to this point, but here we are. <laughs> All right, all right. Oh, I think we have enough for a, for a whole episode here, actually. Yeah, I have enough for uh, making myself s- uh, sleep really unsettled tonight. I can tell you that much. Oh, Lord. Good luck. Don't worry, your emotions are safe inside your brain. <laughs> for now. <laughs> for now. I'm never going to be able to think about the way I feel the same way again, darn it. <laughs> well, if you like this story, write it. And email us at listeners at unwrittenimaginings.com. And then we'll send it over to Elliot so he can be creeped out. Exactly. <laughs> if you enjoyed, you know, listening to us, we'd appreciate you giving a rating or a review. And then also, because we have a guest this time, we would appreciate you checking out his works on, I believe you have your own site, as well as your posting on uh, Royal Road, correct? Yes. Uh, if you look for Revenant Faith and Foreign Pilgrimage... Um, 
you may find a uh, link to the Thomas Generalized Recountings Library, but you'll also find a link to Royal Road, which is basically going to be the exact same material, just uh, on, on a different platform. So, anyway. Fair enough. We'll have links to both on our website. So. I appreciate it. Is any of your audio stuff available? Are you still oh, working on it? Uh, still working on it. It's, um, uh, at, at the moment, it's uh, going to be... It's sort of popping up on Spotify. As of right now, we, we have a grand total of a trailer uh, currently available to people. So, no. But within the next couple of weeks, hopefully that will be joined by a uh, small number of uh, episodes and the rest of them in production. So, Fair enough. If it's done before this episode releases, we'll add it to the end. And if it's not, we'll deal with it then. All right. Okay. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to be a guest on our show... Email us at guests at unwrittenimaginings.com. It's a fun time. <laughs> it's, it's incredibly fun, but it's not incredibly, incredibly creepy, I have to say. You know, <laughs> given our track record, not incredibly creepy is actually, you know... I would say it's only like 60, 40. One, in, one in eight of our episodes gets really creepy, and then I would say about half of them is creepy if you really think about it. <laughs> 60-40 with the 60 being not creepy. <laughs> but, you know, that's half the fun. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'll let you be the judge at that point, I suppose. Just just because it, it's your podcast and I'm not the one make, making the shots here. But really, man, really. Uh. Exactly. Thanks for listening. <laughs> okay, bye.